This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron. With me as always are Barnabas and Dave. Guys, it's been a little while since we've been in the studio together. It's been a while, you know. And, uh, it's a great day to be employed here at uh, Lifeway. It's it also is. a great so. day to not be employed here at Lifeway. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, we have a special guest in the building yeah. today. Yeah. D- day two of the rest of his life. I had that's to, right. Uh, I had to stop. And and Aaron had to like sign me into the building and get me a visitor pass. I have it in my back pocket because you're supposed to wear it around your neck. And yeah, I, that's right. I refuse. You know, I respect that. Visitor Barnas, Barnabas. Hmm. Yeah. This is this is what things me already. Like, who is who is Who's this that guy? guy? What's who his name again? <laughs> Barnabas. <laughs> it's like I was about to call you Barabbas at one yeah. point. I'm like, would, well, would not be the first time. <laughs> not my preferred nickname. Yeah. Um, yeah. Security. Uh, security almost roughed him up a little bit. He That's looks right. kind of the, shady. <laughs> the the college-aged blonde girl at the front desk. Yes. Was very absolutely. suspicious. And yeah. then there was the armed security guard yeah. with his arms crossed under his large pectorals. Who absolutely. Threatening with yeah, they gaze. don't seem to be paying attention really much. Have you noticed that? I don't yeah, feel. I, I'm glad <laughs> Sorry, we have I know we're them. like on the edge here, but I'm like, it's all right. Every day I'm like, you're on your phone. Like, look around. You know, look what? around. That's some killer overtime pay for a Nashville police officer. And, uh, apparently, mm-hmm. this it's like the best gig. They all like fight for this. Uh, yeah, they get to beat. sit. So it's it's, it's sit in the air conditioning. Summer in Nashville, which yes. means it's a hundred degrees and yeah. swampy. Mm-hmm. And it is they, like a sauna in here. They guys. get to they, swampy. They have one job. It's drive here in their uniform and yes. then they get to sit at an air-conditioned desk take a lunch break and i think they get paid real well for overtime stuff we, could we get in on that gig i know uh have you been through the police academy not recently uh, or ever not no. so much yeah it's it's a rough gig from what yeah. i understand uh, yeah like they yeah. they earned the right to make their easy money All right. yeah All right. also yeah. when they're not doing this they're doing like real police work which is also which is real in, real tough work in working nights yeah you know and trying to also have a family it's yeah i get yeah. it yeah Public servants, right. public servants get I'm paid fine. like they, trash. Yeah. They get decent, they, they get usually get good yeah. benefits and a good retirement package. But the idea is right. basically, we're going to pay you like garbage so that then you get paid in retirement. Sure. Mm. So as long as they're tweeting nice things about us down there, we're okay. <laughs> we're okay with. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on on how mean we are when we're when we're coming in through the uh, through the lobby each week, right? So, I always nod. Yeah. It's a good way. If to they do ma- it. if they look up enough to make eye contact, I nod. Yeah. Although if they don't, I'm like, well, I guess uh, I just snuck in. There good you job, go. Security. Man, there you what are. What are we talking about today? All right. Well, yeah. um, you know, first of all, we have a couple of couple of bits of business to address. Um, our business. friends. Yes, we actually have good some business. business. All right, business. It's true. We have an update from our friends at Gospel Centered Discipleship. Who is this? The is this the writers' cohort coaching this, thing? This is indeed the writers' cohort. The I've, writers' mentoring cohort. I've heard tell of this. Well, you should because you're a part of it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's why. 
have so, friends elevated. <laughs> absolutely. So starting on August 22nd, our friends at Gospel Center Discipleship are uh, launching their writer's mentoring cohort. And so if you are a writer looking to grow in your craft and develop alongside other writers in a collaborative community, if you would like to learn from authors like Jen Wilkin, Hannah Anderson, Jared Wilson, and of course Barnabas Piper. Barnanus. It's not Barnabas. Bananas. Bananas. I've got mail addressed whoa. to Hold on, I got a new one. Bananas. <laughs> Bar- Barbara. Barbara. Just Barbara. Pick a name. All right. All, so, all of those uh, people are one of are part of this cohort. It's a huge cohort. Absolutely. Huge cohort. There's many Pipers in this in this cohort. It's fantastic. None of them are John, just to clarify. No, no. None of them is John. Sorry, listeners. Got to get my grammar straight. That's correct. That's correct. Gospel Center Discipleship is kicking this uh, is kicking off their second season of this writers cohort, and we would love for you guys to check this out. If you if you want to be a better writer, this is a great way to do it. So the cohort includes monthly video training sessions, collaborative collaborative assessments from the editors, and a family of other writers looking to level up in their craft. Um, so if you visit uh, taylor.coach/gcdwriters for more information, you can apply there. You can do all your all you need to do. Um, that's tailored.coach slash GCD writers. And uh, we'll include that in the show notes. Um, but, you know, go there after you listen to the show. Yeah, no no pausing. Yeah, don't pause. Just finish with your pri- yeah, priorities, people. That's right. I <laughs> will say about this, uh, this, this coaching thing. There are some of these sort of writing coaching things, and we make fun of them where people... Doing. Yeah, so where people sort of like slap dollar values on PDFs and they call themselves experts. Yes. Uh, and they're they're relatively valueless. This is not one of those. Like that list of authors, I will exclude myself from it, are all people who I – I would love to learn from mm-hmm. when they write something. I like to read it because they're they're really gifted. And then each one of us focuses on a different part of writing. So like writing for persuasion, writing from the soul, writing, you know, dealing in scripture, different kinds of things, yeah. some more storytelling, some more nonfiction. And then the editors are really engaged as well. Like they're part of the whole thing. They're not just sort of like sending you off to a webinar, which is one of my least favorite words. I hear <laughs> webinar, webinar, I run for the hills. Well, it's, it's like, oh, totally. it's like, idea from the late 90s yeah which the 90s were great all right guys let's just let's do but webinars no so i had somebody reach out to me on twitter yesterday actually who saw who saw a link to this and said yeah is this actually worth my time and money and Mm -hmm. he's he writes for an online you know an online christian uh publication site and you know i was like i don't know what your financial situation is but if you're going to pay money for one of these it's it's a really good one you're going to get real value out of it so uh that's my that's my my push for the the thing that aaron just shared but again go sign up for it after this podcast yeah all right so cool check that thing out and also uh another little bit of business we love our listeners so much because they give us great reviews on apple podcasts Barnabas and I, you, we read, uh, we read one of these weird and bizarre ones a couple weeks ago. Um, it was very bizarre. It was bizarre, but it was still fun. I keep wondering if that person got high before they before they published that. Well, we, but we welcome all types. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, but we've got some other ones. Um, we've got someone who is referring to themselves as Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> Barnabas's face. <laughs> I looked right at the part of it yep. when he said that. Yep. 
Okay, college sophomore. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Or um, homeschool dad. It's one of the two. It could be. It could be both. Either way, it's a future homeschool dad. So, <laughs> so pres- what, is, what does Samwise have to say again? Well, Samwise uh, refers this... to us as bibliophiles run wild, which uh, sounds like an inappropriate video series from the 1990s. By the way, can we start that up? We probably shouldn't insult this guy. <laughs> I'm, we should we should all make an amusing remark, but we, can't, we probably shouldn't insult our listener. Wait, when did we decide we can't insult people anymore? <laughs> what, what happened here? Maybe we should just keep all Aaron's this Aaron's cutting everything get... out. Dave's telling me I can't insult people guys like i'm feeling leveraged out at this point (laughs) all right listen to this all right all right so confine three bibliophiles in a room and have them discuss various aspects and impacts of books as well as writing and you get a delightful menagerie of wit intelligent criticism mutual appreciation for words and sarcasm while i would sucker punch barnabas for his opinion on cats oh Oh, I seriously love this podcast. Oh, that's cute. A cat owner who's pretending to be both tough and aggressive. That's right. That's, um, that's fun. Yeah. It's truly <laughs> a delight to listen to fellow bibliophiles. They really like to use this word. Uh, working hard or hardly working to bring their own unique facets to titles both good and bad. Seriously, it's so good to hear solid Christians discuss uh, solid Christian discussion about books. The kingdom is greatly impacted by words and books we ought we ought to pursue them with intention and not take ourselves too seriously. Well done, gentlemen. Wow. So there you go. So that wow. was a little Cats, bit of encouragement. That was, uh, that was catastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just amused that a cat owner is threatening to sucker punch. It just That's right. seems unlikely right. to me. Mm. Well, you know. Unless it's Mike Tyson and like Tiger or something. I like it. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> oh. All good feedback. There we the, go. Uh, uh, the friends of the podcast. That's I'll right. Like That's yes. right. So yes. thank you. Thank you, listeners. Keep yes. uh, keep sending in your ratings and reviews, your five stars, mm. um, and give us something entertaining to read on the air. We like, like it. More. More entertaining. More romance from the Piedmont of North Carolina and South Carolina? Yeah, something like that. that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Got absolutely. It. But, you know, I got to say, I'm disappointed. In one thing here, no one took up our challenge on admitting that they like the notebook. That means we have really discerning listeners. Yeah, we really, we applaud you I mean, between the five-star reviews and their refusal to say anything nice about that (laughs) book, they're clearly brilliant. (laughs) That's true. That's Uh, true. All right. You know, I, 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 you know, we we all don't listen to the pod. Well, Aaron has to because he's editing it. That's true. I listen to it so many times, guys. I typically don't listen to the whole thing, but I did this one because when the random bleeping started happening, (laughs) Or maybe it was intentional. I don't know. Was it random? Aaron may or have you, missed. Or did Aaron you guys may just have missed a bleep? So much. Aaron may have missed a bleep. I don't know what you're talking there. about. I don't, I don't know. No, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> For the original downloaders, I can neither give it a listen again. I have no also, idea what also, you're talking about. I have never listened to one minute of this podcast, so I have no idea what actually did or did not happen. That's okay. You're just living it every day here. That's it. Well, but here's the thing, Barbus. I give everything I've got to. to the recording of this podcast to go mm-hmm. back and listen. Just feels like a letdown. It's true. You'll start <laughs> analyzing your mistakes. <laughs> Mistakes. What are those? <laughs> I'm unfamiliar. Mm. Mm. That's good. A hot take it's cools good. way off when you go back and listen to it, like from yourself. Mm. So that's certainly true. <clears throat> Humility by Andrew Murray. You can't read a take. Good book. You should read that. Sorry. 
Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Was he Canadian, too? No. Probably not. No. 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 What are we talking so, about today? No. What are Besides we talking about awesome today, gentlemen? All right. Uh, this Barnabas was your idea of bringing it up. We've talked about a lot of books in this genre. We've just never kind of said, okay, let's devote an episode. We're going to talk about historical fiction. Yes. All right. Ooh. So, which Barnabas and I read a lot of. Aaron, I don't know. You haven't mentioned as many that I've noticed over time, but doesn't mean you haven't. This read is not one. to be confused yeah. with history that is actually fictional. Like, like, <laughs> yeah, this it, is not <laughs> fictional history. This, this is, is not sort of like the it's, Bill, it's, the Bill O'Reilly trying to write uh, history, which is fictional, uh, because because uh, he's bad at it. Yeah, oh, this is he and Brian, this is Brian a novel. Anyone with a certain network, uh, yeah, whatever. In New York. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know anything about this. No, no. Um, don't know. But, uh, yeah, this is this is the genre that is, like, novels set and built around a historical place, time period, person, etc. So this is... Yes. And it does get fuzzy because, like, I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, there's historical fiction that, like, this is obviously that. Like, the Bernard Cornwell's books, for example. He's written a billion of them. Some of them are great. Some of them are less great. But... Uh, but then there's like John Steinbeck's books, like Grapes of Wrath, or um, some, you know, a number of his others, Cannery Row, which is in a time and place. But I would call that more. That's more like period fiction, which is not quite the same thing because it, because it's it's more character driven, and it could have like he could have written the same novel in any period of time. It just happened to be in, you know, in the Dust Bowl or whatever. Whereas historical fiction, I think, is really about a historical event or time they, period. Yeah, yeah. The, the the time in history really makes the story. Right, I think. I, I you know, even though I, I've read a handful of my, I love the genre. I think one thing you've got to be cautious about always reading is saying like, what is fact and what is fiction? Because the reality is, good historical fiction has a little bit of both. You know, you yes. it mm-hmm. should be clear as best as can be about what it actually happened versus what are the liberties the author took. And usually, it's conversations. It's a made up character and who represents a bunch of characters together put in the middle of uh, some sort of scene right. that we're familiar with. Take like, I don't know, D-Day. You know, you create a fictional character and you kind of make the story about them storming the beaches of Normandy. And then, mm-hmm. but you have to talk about actual things happening that happened then. Right. But historical fiction can also include um, alternative history type things. Like, so what if so this like, particular event didn't happen? So for example, Man what, in the High Castle, that's how you would... Well, that that is, yeah, an, that that, is an example. Good, that's a good example. Um, I, it, I wouldn't call that historical fiction. Okay, tell me why. Because it's not history that happened. I mean, I think right. historical fiction but, is, is about a thing that happens so it is it is the storming of normandy beaches so it is, is the norman invasion it is civil war it is whatever whereas something like man in the high castle or stephen king's what is it 11 63 yeah those, that, that was one that i was thinking of in particular uh both of which are are yeah. fascinating yeah. but those those would almost fall more under like sci-fi fantasy because it's an ima- it's like a it's an imagination of an alternate reality right yeah. Which is which is a different thing than imagining what would like what happened in the reality yeah. that we have a record of. Sure, yeah. um, but this is the interesting. So I've been while we've been talking, I've also been going going back and just and just looking at some of the some of the 
questions about what what qualifies as a store historical fiction okay and there's like actually it, disagreement is, here right, um, so there's not like an official description of no what it like is. so period like right. so you you've tried to make a distinction between period fiction and historical fiction mm-hmm. um generally people don't make that distinction though i appreciate that um i think it's a good i do think it's actually a helpful one yeah. um that the setting is less important than the characters um the setting is incidental in a period in some period pieces in others it's it's essential like i mean you think about um the uh caleb car books like the alienist um those are like they're they are set in a victorian time period and the and the setting is actually essential to that um to that you think like um uh, from Hell, the uh, Jack the Ripper uh, mm-hmm. graphic mm-hmm. novel by Alan Moore. Um, I mean, you can't not have that in that time period, right? Um, as well. When I, so when I think of historical fiction, so the reason I brought up Cornwell earlier is because he mm-hmm. he's sort of a like if I was going to go sort of center cut, like it's his it's his staple, it's his genre. Everything is built around a particular event or conflict yes so it's you know the war of the roses it's the norman invasion it is you know a viking that you know viking conquest it's whatever and then he so it's like he has a fascination with those things and Mm -hmm. then he tells about that thing from the perspective of a an invented character who very well could have been an archer in the ranks who could have been you know a he worked in the stables at a castle who could have whatever yep to me that that feels that to me is sort of center cut historical fiction same with like the way jeff shara does fiction he's done civil war he's done world war one world war two i mean he's, he's done yeah. a bunch of war fiction that feels uh sort of standard because really what you're reading about is the war yes the characters are are part of that story whereas when you right. read what i call would call period fiction you're reading about a family yeah. who happened to be in that place but that family could right. have been in 1985 or 1865 sure. or whatever the family is the is the driving point yeah, right. in period fiction if for my distinction okay yeah. shara is an interesting one because he comes like he, he i don't think he's making up any characters right I don't think he is. He's just inserting dialogue with people we know, like Chamberlain and Stonewall Jackson and Lee and so on. But, but I'm like, isn't that what you remember? Yeah. So, he, in other words, we don't know what conversation we have. We know the outcome of what happened yeah. in a, a scenario or a battle. We know some basics of orders that were given, but we don't know well, what was happening, this particular discussion between these two generals. Okay, like we, we may not know that. So that's what he writes into it. That's the fiction. Yeah, Shara um, does a lot more to mm-hmm. develop the persona of actual yeah. characters. Like in his that's World War II stuff, like in. Blackjack yes. Pershing and different characters who who yeah. you, you develop an impression of uh, – this guy was an absolute like dynamic firecracker. This one was a slow and steady. This guy was a coward. This guy was mm-hmm. whatever. But they're all real people. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. like Cornwall makes up people. Right. The, the characters right. who are historical have like cameos. Oh, that's King Richard. But he just like says a few words and kind of disappears. And then there's he's also I think Cornwall almost always writes from the perspective of a commoner not the notable character. So it's like a, a man in the ranks or a man who rises. And that's a, you know, again, that's just perspective. Sure. Mm-hmm. But 
I, you know, when I define historical fiction, I'm I'm not like banging the table going this is it. But when I when I think of historical fiction, I'm thinking of that. This is this is a novel about a period of time, a particular event. The characters are a little bit more incidental as opposed to character-driven stuff that is set in a t- I mean everything's set in a time yeah, and place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. I mean, in that sense everything is period fiction, but well, yeah. Unless yeah. it's futuristic, in which case it's just imaginative. Yeah. Speculative fiction. Yeah. No, it's fine. Speculative. Yeah. All right. So here's a here's a question for you. Um, All the Light We Cannot See. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anthony Doris book. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Period fiction or historical fiction? I would have put that more under period fiction. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Based on your criteria. That, yeah. So that being in, in like being in France during World War II is more incidental to the plot as opposed to essential to it. It's integral to the plot, but it's not about the war. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you don't come away having a greater understanding of or sense of World War II than you than you did before. Right. You have a li- you have more of a sense of how life in that particular town, right, or whatever, but it's but that is a people driven story. Um, whereas I think when I think of historical fiction, the thing that you come away with is a greater sense of like how history fits together, how this event had you know fit in the broader world, how kingdoms collided, whatever right. that kind of thing. That's my I mean, that's fuzzy. But sure. that's, it's, I mean, we, we, we talk, I mean, we, we talk about all sorts of novels on here, but we talk a lot, I mean, character driven versus plot driven. Yeah. Historical yeah. fiction is plot driven. Yeah. yeah. In my mind, it's just that the plot is a thing that actually happened. Yeah. Yes. And then the characters are, it's a, it's a whole different kind of creativity to mm-hmm. realistically write in characters mm-hmm. without upsetting mm-hmm. the historical record. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So we've. Define what it is, <laughs> right, and what it's not. Maybe <laughs> right at this point. Yeah. Well, I want to hear. I mean, yeah. Aaron, you brought up you brought up um, some of those that are like the alternative history, the alternative history, yeah. whatever. So in your mind, do you consider those historical fiction, or um, do you think of those as something else? I. I would lean toward including them in historical fiction. Okay. And the reason is is because it's what if this integral event didn't happen? That that event is still um central to those plots, right? It's just you're seeing you're seeing what some yes, it's yes, it is speculative. Yes, it is imaginative. Um but it's from this person's view, what if this key event like so, um, 112263. What mm-hmm. if JFK had not been assassinated? What if he had been allowed to? And that is the premise of the book. Yeah. I'm right. Yeah. Okay. So, in, um, that, in, in my and in my mind, that one falls almost more under the f- fantasy sci fi because it's a it's a time travel book. Sure. And so, like, you, that, there's that's a, like there's Man a, in the High Castle. That, right. that you're putting in that category. You're kind of, right. yeah, going into an, an alternate reality, an alternate universe. Sure. Um, there's a window into something else. And that's just when you start messing with the with the history, it doesn't yeah. make it not a great book. I thought 112263 sure. was fascinating and really enjoyable. But it's a whole different kind of book, sure. and and I think because I think. Of the, I think because of that aspect, okay, maybe it's not fair to put it in um, directly as a 
historical, like put it in there. It has elements of it, certainly. But if it's um, like in the same way that um, putting in, um, you know, some of some of Mark Twain's books um, wouldn't like kind of in this zone (laughs) would not um, uh, would not work. Um, Yeah. Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Uh, also not historical fiction. Well, no. sure, sure. No. Um, so, no, I mean, I think like, it's fair to be... Neither is Huckleberry Finn. said never-ending story. <laughs> it's not exactly like that. It's yeah. just, uh, Sometimes our podcast feels like the never-ending yeah. story. It's a never-ending something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think that's... So, I, when, I think the distinction that I would make is a historical novel cannot exist without the historical event. Sure. Whereas period fiction is there there's a selection of a time and place and it's it creates a fascinating context but you lift those characters up and drop them in a different place mm-hmm. the same story or the same characters could work in a different context right um so well it, and that's where that's where i'm thinking and maybe i just don't have a good example uh, maybe i haven't read a good enough example of this that um i i would still say an alternative history piece can work and can qualify because whatever the event is that they're saying didn't happen is still integral to the plot because it is veering off from that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, there's definitely overlap. I think it's harder to think of those because there are not as many good ones. There's True. a lot more historical fiction that's worth reading that I'm aware of than like alternative history. I mean, that's yeah. that's true yeah. of anything where you have to where it requires sort of a an aggressive leap of imagination. It's yes. harder to do that well, mm-hmm. and so not as many people have done it well. Yeah. No, it's agreed. Well, because the reality is, to do it well, you've got to be a researcher. <laughs> you can't just wing it and write a story, mm-hmm. and then you're just a novelist. There's nothing wrong with being a novelist. It just right. means that. You've got to recognize that you're trying to serve two purposes. You're telling a story while also educating. And if right. the book does its job, you probably want to learn more about that era or right. some of the people that are featured in it. So yep. that that's anytime I've read like a good historical fiction book, I read two or three more mm-hmm. but that maybe are nonfiction. So, yeah, I don't know. That's cool. That's what's fun about it. That is, All right. That is. A Gentleman in Moscow. Did you read that? I have not. I tried it. It's slow start, but it's, it's really good. It's, it's real, a great second half. Real slow. Yeah. See, second half. That book's like eight hundred pages long. I don't want to read four hundred <laughs> pages of. Nothing. I don't want to read four hundred pages of not good to get yeah. to good. Well, I'll tell you why people like it, uh, and, and it's why I like it too. Um, even though I felt like yes, it, it, I slogged through that first two hundred pages. Yeah, it's I, not eight hundred pages, listeners. It's, it's, it's like, like four hundred. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, but for being a slow one, it's you know, it basically features a. A man who represents um, the old czarist era of Russia before the revolution. So mm-hmm. think World War One time frame, if mm-hmm. you're not aware of when that happened. So the Bolsheviks come to power, and he, being part of that old regime, is trapped in a hotel in Moscow. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't go anywhere. He's not allowed to leave the hotel, and it follows what... 30 years while he's in this hotel. Right. I'm not going to ruin kind of how it ends, but it is you there's all this world changing around him and it represents, you know, it shows the old and the new happening and that that collision and people coming in and out from society. So that's his interaction. So you learn so much about what's going on especially in Russia in that time. Yeah. Well, he's never stepped foot outside those doors and uh um 
it's also personal and caring. And right. Yeah, see that, I mean, but, but it's, to me, that book, it, when I was reading it, it, it felt a little bit like, you know, there's certain TV shows like this. Mad Men was like this, where it's like, this is really brilliantly done and I'm bored simultaneously. Yeah. It, it's like, it's like a quiet movie. You're like, you appreciate it at the end, but you're not like, oh man, I can't wait to talk to someone else about it. That's yeah. how I felt about it. I mean, my so, mom had, it was reading yeah. it similar time frame, So we had something to talk about and bounce off yeah, ideas. It's like, but, and, and in that sense, yeah. it could be like, yeah, like the King's Speech is a movie or, yeah. Or, or like a John, Le, like a John Lacar or Lacarie. Yeah, uh, not which, much happens. Yeah, they're in they're some real way. slow. They build slowly, but yeah. yeah, they. I didn't think it wasn't fair to call it bad. I was just bored by yeah, it. Sure. I wanted something but, to happen, and it was all very, but, very sort of yeah. slow building. But but I but I was also bored. So it's like yeah, that's not a. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I slugged through it, and I felt rewarded by going through it. And I thought, okay, wow, well, okay, I Maybe love I'll have it. to give I'm it another try. Point. If the second half is, if the second half builds to you yeah. know a, a strong finish, then yeah. I'll. Because it was it was really well written. I, yeah. right. I I agree with that. A really good character in a really important time period, and right. it made me want to learn more. So it did okay. all those things. Sure, but it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a like Shara's novel or or uh, historical fiction books are fantastic and they're exciting and there's just a lot of movement happening. You're well, never they're bored. War. Yeah, they're all about war, and that's always which means amazing. even the stuff when the when there's no action is plotting the action. Yeah, everything between yeah. the action is is suspense yeah. between action right. yeah. okay all right so guys um for the listener who maybe doesn't read a ton of historical fiction who's looking looking to try out like looking looking to dip their toe in i hope they're not licking to dip <laughs> yeah. their toe yeah, in. Yeah. that would be weird yeah that would be weird. no, lick, no licking listeners yeah. that would be as weird as dave's tweets lately so yeah, uh, uh <laughs> yeah it'd be right up there <laughs> yeah i don't know guys all right I know you just can't quit us dave but still <laughs> yeah yeah it's really uncomfortable all right well, um, we, we referenced michael shara as uh, he and jeff, and jeff, and jeff, and jeff yeah the, yeah they are kind of the masters of war uh, historical fiction, right? Yeah. Uh, Civil War, World War One, World War Two. That's so been their, for their listeners jam. who want to get like, if if you're somebody who doesn't want to slog through a deeply detailed historical fiction, and you're more mm-hmm. like, I like action and fun. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. Con Igledon's books are phenomenal. He so he this. wrote a series on Genghis Khan, yeah, and on Julius Caesar <clears throat> as the Roman Empire. Those are the two that come to mind. He might have done another one as well, but those are both those are both really they're they're much more action driven and feel a little bit more like family epics in some ways than than sort of just you know yep. rise of an empire kinds of things. Yeah. So his are a lot of fun as well. Okay. I, I did mention Bernard Cornwall. Yeah. I will say if you get into his book, you are making a deep deep commitment because. Most of the time, he does at least a three book series on something. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's like an eighteen book series. Like he did one. Um, I'm forgetting the name. It was basically about the Viking invasion of England, and I think it's like twelve books long yeah, or something. That's, that's, I made it through about seven something. of them, and I was like, "This should have stopped here." Yeah. Uh, he he kind of dragged it out longer than he needed to, I think. But he. His stuff is really, in terms of the classic historical fiction that I was kind of describing, he does yeah. it really well. Like, if you mm-hmm. want to get a fun overview of, you know, whatever battle, whatever war, it's almost all European history. Mm-hmm. He yeah. does it well. Yeah. yeah. Is, cool. it, is there any um, 
anything you've seen about the uh, <laughs> kind of the history of people writing historical fiction? That sounds funny, but I just think like when did the genre like really explode? I, I um, really don't know the answer. I didn't know if you found in anything. In modern times, actually I did. Uh, in modern times, it was around the uh, mid to late 19th century. Okay. Um, I was going to guess the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Because once <laughs> – Looking what, for better. What, when history can be romanticized, I think yeah. – because up until the Industrial Revolution, history was the present. Like the difference between, you know, 1712 and 1850 was negligible. Right. Like they learned how to rifle a barrel on a gun and like that's about it. Yep. And yeah. so uh-huh. like the same, the houses were generally the same. The technology was the same. Yeah, then you get the Industrial Revolution and you leave behind entire eras. And my guess is that's kind of when it became a thing. Plus, yeah. you could mass produce books right. more yeah, easily. That's true. Well, one, other, one other author, um, I haven't read. He's written a bunch of stuff that I haven't read. But the couple that I have is Colson Whitehead. So he wrote The Underground Railroad, which is an award-winning yep. book. But he's written a bunch of other books, too. Uh, I'm going to pick up the one called The Nickel Boys. Yeah, soon. that just came out. It just came out. Um, his is another one that <clears throat> he – so, again, it's it's sort of looking at snapshots of a particular aspect of history. So The Underground Railroad is exactly that. Yeah. And he – he also he does some creative sort of metaphorical stuff in his too, where it's yeah. like, wait, did that actually happen? And you kind of kind of figure out what's the metaphor versus what's reality. Yeah. But a really his is a his is a fascinating one because at least from what I can gather, you're getting kind of a psychological snapshot of the events in the history, not just the record of what happened. Right. So it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit like we were talking about with Jeff Shara stuff, where mm-hmm. he's he's creating characters, except he's using fake characters but giving you a sense of what it felt like to be there right yeah. right yeah um uh, you know we referenced uh some content scenes from ken follett's books um but if you take those out of it those are actually very entertaining books pillars of the earth and then his century trilogy in the 20th century and he's got uh he's always probably got something else going but the point is it's a uh, I love, you know, he does these big epics of saying we're going to go through a century or, or a certain time period and and focus on four or five families and how they yeah. are. They, you find out through those years how they're actually all interconnected over time. Right. But uh, you empathize with all of them from their perspective and you learn about all of where they're from. And it's that, that's good. You know, I, yeah. I read uh, I'm trying to think of another one that I love to um, Herman Wilkes. World War II ones mm-hmm. were really good. Those were kind of like yeah. the benchmark. Like oh, there would Shara would not write and Fault would not write if you didn't have yeah. Herman Woke. He wrote uh, uh, Winds of War. Yeah. That was his big series. So yeah. I always get Herman Woke mixed up, which is funny because he doesn't have anything to do with him. Who is the guy who wrote like Alaska, Chesapeake? Um, the listeners are yelling answers right now. They know who this is. <laughs> so he wrote a bunch of these books that are like they're like detailed origin stories of places, you know, um, and I'm totally blanking on his name and it's going to kill uh, me. Oh, James, James Mishner. Mishner. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So Alaska, Texas, and Chesapeake. He, those he are the three. Pacific, yeah. I've listened to his Pacific one. Yeah. Which is really good. He's, I mean, he's done a bunch. Yeah. I don't know how, cause they're, they're substantial books. I you know, I got bogged down in them, but they're fascinating for the detail and how he kind of moves from generation to generation. So he yes. he's not looking at a particular time. He's looking at the entire time of something. Mm-hmm. So like Chesapeake, he starts with like primordial ooze 
and ends up with like mm. a society built on the Chesapeake Bay. Nice. Yeah, I mean, he has yeah, yeah, Texas, uh, Hawaii, space, Poland, <laughs> the return to paradise. He's got all these different. Yeah. Uh, and they're yeah. all enormous. Like, yeah. it's crazy. I mean, these have been That's written wild. for like over a 40 year period, yeah. which is crazy. One, one other suggestion for listeners who want a lighter read, yeah. so just more of a fun story that does it well. Stephen Lawhead has a few. So mm. he has one called Byzantium, which is you get a guy who I think he's from, he's either Ireland or Scotland, I can't remember which, teenager. And it's basically his epic travels across Europe. On, on kind of a quest after his family is killed. Um, and he ends up in Byzantium, which is Constantinople, which mm-hmm. is whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's it's gone through different <clears throat> yeah, 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 uh, yeah. names over the years. So it's um, that's a fascinating one. And then he has another one on the uh, – and so this this falls a little bit into the alternative history one where it's uh, it's it's basically the a quest for the Holy Grail – um, kind of thing, but it again, it's sort of an epic adventure. So it starts yeah. in like early 20th century England, and there's a group of basically, um, what are they called? Um, kind of the Masons, to yeah, yeah, yeah. a Masonic type of thing. But then they go back in time to figure out how the records were built. And so again, it's like it's it's a monk or a group of people searching out these different relics of of the cross, of the Grail, of whatever legacy. Right. That's what it's called. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And so those are those are fun ones as well. And again, he Lawhead does a great job of giving you kind of <clears throat> what the time and place were like, what was going on, who the rulers were, what the ethos of the place was. But yeah. his his are more plot driven than they are um, kind of event specific driven. Right. Cool. Cool. Um, one other one that um, it may fall into this category. I think it kind of does. Um, is uh, the Aubrey Maturin novels uh, by Patrick O'Brien. So, like, Master and Commander uh, is the first one. There was... That felt like reading Jane Eyre on a ship. A little bit. A little bit. But, I I mean... I really struggled with those because I got into them and I was like, this is supposed to be about a captain of a ship and it's basically about his bromance with a doctor. Mm. That's what it felt like to me. There you go. But people love them. It's true. Dave, it could be right up your alley. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. No, Dave likes romance, not bromance. (laughs) It's true. P- Piedmont romance. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> so we'll get you a copy of The Wedding um, uh, next yeah, time the, we're the, at McKay's. The sequel. Yeah, you can read yeah. a chapter at the end of uh, our book that we have. Yeah, that's Thank right. you for the 25-cent book again, Aaron. That was you know, special. It's, uh, yeah. That's how much I love you guys. So there Yeah, you I was amazed how long we talked about that book. <laughs> well, there was so much to say. Which book? The Notebook? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there was so much pent-up frustration and anger right thank you for giving me more to bleep so um (laughs) not today keeping it keeping it pg that's right we're firmly pg as opposed to going up to 12 last week so all right so uh guys that was a good discussion i think we've uh i think we've uh been able to give a few good ideas good starting points for where to read where to pick up historical fiction now uh very important last two things before we close off this episode mm-hmm. so first of all um we in the in honor of history 
we're not going to call we're we're going to retitle the sucker punch of the week this week <laughs> um it is not going to be the jack reacher sucker punch of the week instead it's going to be the buzz aldrin sucker punch of the week so uh, a couple weeks ago was the was the 50th anniversary of the moon landing mm-hmm. um and of the course, fake moon landing the fake the fake one as we all mm-hmm. know and of no, course jim carrey taught me they actually did have you not seen dumb and dumber <laughs> mm, mm, yes that's right <laughs> he landed on the he's moon. canadian that's true. That's yeah. true. So um, anyway, so of course, last uh, last week, week before, um, there was a video from a few years back. It was like early two thousands. Yeah, yeah, but it was still fantastic. It was, it was still fantastic. Mm-hmm. Where this dude, um, who's a you know moon landing moon landing conspiracy theorist. theorist yeah approaches Aldrin and starts calling him a liar and coward, everything. a coward and Aldrin just like just clocks him. And isn't in, he like in, 75? He was like 80 in, years in, old at the time. And it was a true sucker punch. It was like, you're getting in my face. There's no like get back in the Yeah, like, it's just, you just did not it's see like, it coming. It was so and fast it was amazing. For a man in his early 70s. It was awesome. Yes. So, uh, so Buzz Aldrin, if you are listening and we know you are, because um, you love publicity, <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> he does. We we know you landed on the moon. This is not a conspiracy Absolutely. theory. Absolutely, no. Please don't punch us. <laughs> no. Yeah. Unless Dave makes Come an uncomfortable comment, and then by all means, <laughs> pop him. But <laughs> only on Twitter. <laughs> all right. So, but uh, Buzz, this one's for you. So, guys, who is Buzz sucker punching this week? Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Um, I think we could preview our next episode. Ooh. Yeah, yeah that's I, good. Ooh. I think Buzz should sucker punch Christian authors who recant things that they wrote that yeah. that were actually helpful. Mm, not Without naming any yeah, names, yeah. that you, can you come up in the next episode. Next, yeah, next that episode. But uh, I, like I would it. like 70-whatever-year-old Buzz mm. to clock a couple people who have recently recanted things that they wrote that were that were actually true and helpful. Okay. There we go. I like it. All right, that's, that's a good. That's a good tease for uh for next episode. Thank I you, like Barnabas. It. Good job. I'm a radio professional. Absolutely. I've been doing this for a minute. You've got all the skills. <laughs> Some <laughs> of the skills. I've got a skill. All right. Okay. So gentlemen, what are we reading? All right, this is not historical fiction, but <sighs> how thank dare you. you. Warmth of Other Suns. I think you recommended mm. one of you did. We yeah, both definitely. Did. It was great. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. I'm like halfway through it. Yeah, but it's, it's fantastic. fantastic. It's, it's about the great migration mm-hmm. of uh, African Americans leaving the South in the 20th century. The quiet leaving in yes. many ways. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliantly written. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I, I've been so hard, but I but beautiful. Finished it only because it's just been. We're getting that busy season. You know, it's uh, it's been hard to sit down Wait, and read there for are longer busy per- seasons. Yes, there are when busy When is the season. not busy season? That's a great I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm waiting well, for. Summer, we read a lot. There's a lot of do, lot, wait. Lot, do, do, do things get busy in church life? Well, I don't know. I've yeah. been in church life for a solid day one, and a half. One work day, and <laughs> you haven't really gotten into your two and a half hours, give or take. So, <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, I don't know. Okay. Um, I suspect I will get a little bit more reading done than I did while mm-hmm. managing two and a half teams at this particular mm-hmm. company, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, All right. I am reading The Prodigal Prophet 
mm-hmm. Jonah and the Mystery of God's Mercy by Ooh, Tim Keller. Very nice. Um, so he did Prodigal God. He did Counterfeit Gods. It's it's in that Encounters with Jesus. It's in that sort of series. It's not really a series. That collection. Those smaller kind of sermon-based books. But um, so the first two that I mentioned, Prodigal God and Counterfeit Gods, mm-hmm. were sort of seminal classic Keller works. Yeah. Then he had a few that were good. But by Keller standards, maybe not quite as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, he refound his fastball with this one, and it is—it's one of the—it's one of the best Christian books I've read in the last couple of years. Wow! I'm probably halfway through, so I think well, enough through to know that uh, he would have to completely fall off a cliff to lose it. And it's—it's it's really, really good. So, cool. *The Prodigal Prophet* by uh, awesome. Keller is fantastic. Great. And uh, I am working on one that you guys have talked about a great deal. And I'm going to fully admit this has been a hard book for me to read. The Great Santini by Pat Conroy. Mm. So, oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's not an easy it's, one. It's exceptionally well written. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like without question. The, the writing is terrific. It's just really, it is really hard to read. Because so, of who he is and because how of he parents. Because of Bull Meacham. Yes. He... He deserves more than a sucker punch. Um, he's a well. If it, terrible, at, terrible at the human at being. the risk of spoiling things, there is another novel by Pat Conroy called "The Death of Santini." Mm-hmm. So, Spoiler: He dies eventually, <laughs> as as do most people. Yes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not wrong about the. Yeah. That one stirs up a lot of mixed emotions because there's mm-hmm. there's so much charisma and so much like I want to choke this guy yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. Cool. It, it's a he is such an entertaining character because of how principled he is. You may not agree with the way he executes that in terms of how he deals with his family, but yeah. it's clear that they they hate him and they love him at the same time. Well, I know I feel like I'm giving away too much. It is really worth the read, but at the same time, I know it's hard. I mean, yeah. like at the end of the day, he's an abusive father. Yes. At the end of the day, there's no excusing that one bit. And Pat Conroy has written a lot about his dad, whether from a fictional perspective or uh, from a memoir perspective. But the reality is, I know I I felt worse about him because it's you know it's his dad he's talking about from the the. The, the, my losing season. You know, I yeah. felt like I got this perspective. Like, you know, you know, Pat Gunnery would score like 25 points in a game, and and they would uh, they would win a game, and his dad would say he was the worst basketball player of his whole conference, and this yeah. and that. I think we sucker punched Don Conroy. I on think this we before. did. We did. We I have, think I, but he when just I read keeps that, deserving it. When I when well, I read that, that character is not Don Conroy. It's based on Don Conroy. Yeah, right. but it's not yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So, all right. So, guys, thanks for chatting about this today. Uh, Listeners, thanks for uh, joining us for this conversation. Please do leave your five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Give us something entertaining to read, and uh, we will talk to you later. Bye. This is an Area Code podcast.